Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Growing Up Female with me, Connie Simmons. This is the podcast where we chat about what it's really like to grow up female behind the shiny social media profile. I'll be chatting to a whole host of young, inspirational women about race, beauty standards, periods, body shaming, sex, relationships, social media, everything it means to grow up as a female today. So welcome back to Growing Up Female for another episode. Today's guest is um, a very special and inspiring woman. I love following her on Instagram. She makes me feel so good about myself. Um, she's full of body confidence, she's an amazing mom, and really passionate about what she does. Um, she's also the founder of the Free From Diets campaign. It's the gorgeous Molly J. Forbes. <laughs> Thank you. Oh. <laughs> so I was listening to that thinking, she sounds really cool, I'd like to meet her. <laughs> <laughs> you make me feel good about myself, I thought I've got to make her feel about good about herself. Oh, thank you. Um, thank you so much for being a guest. I know it's gorgeous outside, the weather is amazing, and you've got your girls, and you're probably wanting to be out there, um, so I do really appreciate it. You're you are more than welcome. Thank you for having me. Um, I just wanted to start off by just going straight in with what is free from diets because I just think this is amazing and I think it's really important that you spread the word. Um, so tell the listeners what free from diets campaign is and what, what where why did it come about? Okay, so free from diets is it's the campaign and the social movement to cancel diet culture around children. So it started off, and this is still what kind of the aim is with the campaign, is to get rid of diet adverts, adverts for diets and weight loss products around, specifically around schools and kids clubs, Mm. Um, because it is a thing. And people are often surprised when I tell them it's a thing, but there's no... There's no kind of rules regulations. Yeah, yeah. There's no regulations to stop diet companies from basically using schools and children's clubs as a recruitment ground for new members. Not saying that they're specifically targeting the children, although a lot of big diet brands do um, allow members from sort of 11 or up to 13 years old. But generally, they're targeting the parents. But children are still being exposed to these messages. Yeah. So that's kind of how it started, and it's. It's evolved since we started it into um, we're now we've just literally just launched workshops for teachers. So we we had a round table back in November and Girl Guiding UK came along. We had a GP, therapist, other campaigners were there. And one of the ideas that came up was if we did some work around education in schools, not with the children, but with the adults, you know, mm. and not just schools, you know, youth clubs like brownies mm. and girl guides, and talked about some of the things that can impact the way that children feel about their body, then maybe some of these adverts wouldn't be going up in the first place. Yeah, I don't think it ever comes from a, pl- a place of, you know, bad intention. And um, so that was kind of one idea that came up. And then we put it out to the community and we did two community surveys um, on social media and then we did like an online community survey and loads of people responded to the surveys and that was overwhelmingly the thing that we were asked to create because when we looked into it there are a lot of programs and some amazing initiatives that are happening in schools with children yeah. there's not a huge amount there for adults who right. want to know more about this subject so yeah. we've just recently created this workshop and we we did a big crowdfunding campaign at the beginning of the year we raised enough money to be able to offer 10 workshops, so 100 places for free. 
Um, and then we've got some money in the bank to be able to subsidize the places. And we literally only launched, we only opened registration five or six days ago. And as I'm talking to you today, we've filled all the spaces. We've oh, that's amazing. Congratulations. Yeah. So that's it's brilliant. really exciting. And it feels like it's genuinely going to make a real difference to children's lives. And while we work on the companies to kind of talk to us and we work on the government to change the rules, at least there's something positive that we mm. can be doing right now. Absolutely. And do you know what? I think, I don't think a, a lot of people and a lot of parents might realise the effect that their language about their own bodies can have on their children. Like, like I, I've heard people in my family say things and I, and then, you know, I'm like, Oh no, Oh no, I don't want her to be aware of calories at that age. Please don't say, and I even find myself like biting my lip. Don't say that even in front of Macy, who's only one, because you just don't know what they're going to pick up on. Yeah, absolutely. I think language has such an impact. And I mean, that's why I do what I do. I've been guilty of making these mistakes myself because it's so normalized. You don't realize that's what until you become awake to it. And that's exactly um, it. Yeah. My, my moment was like when my eldest was about five and I was doing like a macro weighing thing and I was weighing spinach. And oh my God, um, yeah. actually, like when I look back, it was pretty disordered eating behavior, really. But it's because it was what everyone everyone does. And it's so normalized. Yeah. It wasn't until she asked me why I was weighing spinach that I I realized I didn't have a rational response for her. And that was when I really, I really started kind of reading up about it and, and understanding what diet culture is and how insidious it is. And then, yeah. and then once I started realizing it, I started realizing how much it impacts our children. And it's not just us as adults who have to be wary of it, but it comes in at such an early age. And mm. so now, yeah, I am, I am very aware of it, but you're absolutely right. I think that this, I think that we need to be aware of it from, from day one. And I mean, we're, we're, tar- we're targeted, like before our, even, our babies are even born, mums are often made to feel bad if they've got the right kind of, you know, baby bump or, you know, the whole mm. postpartum body image stuff. And that, that then trickles down and has a trickle down effect onto our children. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's so sad, really. It's like, it's like at what point of our lives are we like not going to be judged or feel conscious of our bodies? Like when is it going to just stop? Yeah, I'm actually so sick of it. I'm, I'm, we're actually recording this on a day where I actually feel really crap because I'm just PMS is before my period, and I, I that's when I feel my worst just because of my hormones, and I really mm. struggle. But usually I'm pretty good and pretty body confident and I'm healthy and happy. But oh, on a day like today, I'm just like I hate everyone. That's just made me feel shit about myself. Basically, it's so funny, isn't it? I think so often our feelings about other things can kind of manifest in the way we feel about our body and I can absolutely relate to what you're saying because I remember like that that period of my life when I was going through weighing spinach and I was working out in a way that didn't make me feel good it wasn't like it actually ironically it was in pursuit of health but it wasn't it wasn't very healthy what I was doing Mm. and I think that looking back so much of that was to do with the fact that I just had my second daughter um, I felt like a change in sort of my identity was sort of shifting. My self-esteem was quite low. I wasn't massively confident at that time with me to a new area. I wasn't working, you know, I work in the media industry. So I was a radio presenter before we moved to where we live now. Yeah. And I was just finding my feet in like what I was doing. And I think that actually like I was suffering a massive dip in self-esteem and also hugely sleep deprived. <laughs> which yeah, totally affects your oh mood. Oh my gosh, yeah. And the way that, that the, those feelings manifested were in my body. And I mm. just remember thinking, well, if I look like this, or if I could get my, almost if I could get my pre-baby body back, I'd get my pre-baby life and therefore confidence back. And actually you know, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work so, like that This all. is so interesting because one of my questions was going to be, during lockdown, I found myself so up and down when it comes to my body confidence. Why do my feelings seem to be so amplified? And I think you're so right. Like we're in the most uncertain, crazy time right now. So like, 
you women I don't know I just tend to it just tends to pull back on my body for some reason and when I was at university I was so out of control like everything felt so out of control I didn't know anyone I was really unhappy actually I hated university and then so therefore I focused on food and controlling food and what I was eating and how much I was exercising and that's when my disordered eating was at its worst and it's just I just find it so so bizarre that you know something that has nothing to do with your body can make you then focus on your body. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you've just absolutely nailed it in terms of that feeling of control. And I noticed this, like, I mean, since lockdown, the amount of messages I've had, just not not just from parents worried about their children, but from from teenagers, from young people, older people, and everyone's suffering with the same feeling. And it's, to do with feeling insecure about their body and it all comes from generally these you know we don't have much control at the moment everything is very out of our hands and the one Mm. place that people do feel that they can have some control is what they're eating and how much exercise they have and the problem Mm. is diet culture sells us this lie and gives us this idea that we can be in control of our body like it's some external thing that's not part of us Mm. and actually all the factors that affect weight and you know your skin texture and all of the ways that your body looks actually so many of those factors are out of our control it's genetics or it's socioeconomics or it's you know it's so many different factors it's not just about what you eat and how much you move your body and even if it was about how much you what you eat and how much you move your body actually changing your body isn't necessarily going to change the way you feel about it yeah or think you know completely and so I think that it's deeper than that totally and I think that that was definitely the the lack of control thing has really impacted so many people Mm, but I also think that people are spending definitely I mean I don't know we're in a kind of we I feel like everything changes so much at the moment, like from one day to the next, but definitely looking back to a few weeks ago, there was a pattern. People were spending more time online. People were, um, there there was a huge proliferation of online workouts, which I don't think is a bad thing because like free resources, amazing. But then with that also comes, I think a lot of people are feeling pressure to, Mm. you know, work out and, and, you know, stay in shape. And then there was also quite a lot of, you know, memes going around joking about, yeah. you know, post-quarantine bodies and like, you know, this kind of fat fat phobia on the internet going around. And I think that would also, if you're consistently exposed to those messages day in, day out, and you're spending more time it's online pressure, anyway, it? totally, it's gonna, it's gonna affect the way that you think and feel about your body if you don't have some of those like resilience building yeah and see for me like I'm someone that does love to exercise and get in shape like I I quite enjoy the process of it but that's because I'm in a good frame of mind I don't have any of those disordered eating um like habits that I had before and Mm. I'm I'm just you know I'm just very uh, I'm educated about food I'm all about balance and being mindful I still have my Mm. chocolate and whatever but I'm a mum now and Ricky's at work full time. He has been from day one. And what I found hard is not just like the pressure, but the pressure because I can't do it because I haven't got the time anymore. And, I ha- yeah. and, I, and it's, it's been amplified, the fact that actually I'm not the priority. And as much as, you know, and there's all these people actually doing what they want, pe- the, you know, people that don't have children. Yeah. And they're like young, fit, good looking, sunbathing, drinking Desperados or Coronas with a lime in their gardens <laughs> or on <in> their balconies, <laughs> doing, doing three hit workouts a day. And I'm like, oh, I just want to do that for just like just one week, please. Honestly. But actually, I don't. I don't. I don't want to be there. I don't want to be there. But you know, when you just have those things, where you're like, "Oh my god!" I, I went to the garden centre the other day on my own. Um, well, I actually didn't go on my own. We all went together. But my husband and my two kids stayed in the car, and I stood in the queue for 45 minutes. And it was the first 45 minutes I'd had to myself in nine weeks, and it felt like a spa break. Like honestly, <laughs> I was like, "Oh, this is so nice." So I can totally relate. I think. When you're a parent, and particularly when your kids are little, um, you know, with babies, toddlers, or young kids, and my youngest is only five, so she's still very, like, you know, neatly. Yeah. And, and yeah. 
Um, and I think when you're a parent, like it's so it's so easy to just lose any time for yourself anyway. And that isn't even when we're in lockdown, you know, when mm. when you don't have those support systems that you normally have in place, grandparents or friends mm. or school or childcare, you are everything to your kid. And I think that when when you see exercise as a form of self-care, which is what I mm. do, I love going to yeah, the gym and I love going for a swim every day. And I love like, you know, going on the container and doing my weight <laughs> and all of that. I love it because it makes me feel good and now I approach exercise in a way that it, it's about self-care it's about it's about that like mental headspace sure. and it's about that time for myself and I can't do it at the moment because yeah. I can't go to the gym because obviously gyms are shut yeah. um but even like getting out for a run or going for going just for a walk on my own is nigh on impossible at the moment because I need to be here with my children yeah. and when my husband is around because he's a key worker and he works as he's you know working as well but when he is around, like, actually, I feel like we should all be going out together, together. or I should be, yeah. you know, when, when we only have that one exercise time a day, I felt like, well, my kids need to get out as well. So, uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's no, so totally. I just totally miss. And then that is going to impact how you feel about your body, not necessarily because your body's changing, although it might be. My body's definitely changed a bit during lockdown. I can feel that some of my clothes are tighter. But it's not even about my body changing. It's about feeling like I'm giving myself that little bit of self-care, that kind of self-compassion mm. and love that is actually, I think, when I was at my lowest in terms of my self-esteem and I was doing all the diets and the HIIT workouts in a way that wasn't like making me feel good mm. and I was punishing my body. Mm. Actually, what I really needed was a bit of love and self-compassion. And maybe if I'd spent a bit more time just being kind to myself and finding what felt good, I wouldn't have had such low self-esteem and felt that I needed to change my body in the first place. Yeah. So That's it's so such true. a tricky time for so many people. And then I'm you so glad I'm not alone. Layer. Yeah, but then that whole layer of comparison with social yeah. media as well, and everyone's yeah. living their best life, <laughs> drinking exactly. desperados, doing hit workouts. You're like, what? <laughs> I don't know where that came this from. This is I rubbish. <laughs> I must have seen a post on Instagram with someone yeah. holding a desperado. And I thought, oh, oh. <laughs> I want to be doing that. I was probably changing a shitty nappy or something. <laughs> <laughs> no like oh, no. because even in the garden it's too hot for me so she's running around and then she's mm. whinging because I can tell she's just hot and bothered and I'm just like you know you know sunbathing is just old news even sunbathing yeah. I'm not even just saying extra just anything and then yeah like you say on it's because you're scrolling for Instagram if I didn't have Instagram I guess I wouldn't see what anyone else is doing during lockdown and therefore my lockdown would be my lockdown and it it would be all I know yeah so I guess yeah. you ain't so yeah, I need to snap out of it. Normally I'm so good and today I'm just having it's, one of those bloody it's, days. It's tough though, isn't it? Because I think like social media has been both a source of joy and great comfort to me oh, during I love lockdown. It, yeah. But yeah. it's also been a source of real annoyance and it can yeah. it can switch, you know, every five minutes. I feel like I'm I think it depends on you and what, how you wake up in the morning. I, I'm happy. For, I'm happy for everyone. I'm not a jealous person. I, I, if you get me on a good day, no, nothing like that would bother me. But if you get me on a day like today, <laughs> it's a different yeah. story. I think, oh I think no, absolutely relate to it. Hundred percent. I think that I've 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 had to I had to start recognizing my own cues, like when I need to step away from social media or just not go on because yeah. I, I know now that I had a really tough week last week and actually I think it was PMS because yeah. I was like due my period and I came on yeah. a Saturday and I was like oh that explains things yeah that's but when <laughs> like for like three days I was super anxious I was really low I was very overwhelmed so I'm working still full-time more than full-time mm. hours with also having my girls at home with me and homeschooling mm. and I was just feeling exhausted and real really burnt out and I went on, you know, Instagram, which is normally my happy place. And I just felt irritated. But actually, I felt irritated by things that would never normally irritate me. Like people mm -hmm. who are genuinely like, you know, my friends who I know in real life. And I actually 
it was it was all about me and so now I've kind of recognized that if I'm in that mood the best thing for me to do is just stay away from people and stay away from the internet <laughs> yeah sure I, I will I find something to yeah it's true I, I I had a break from it this weekend and it was lovely it really was lovely so definitely anyone listening if you're feeling like how I'm feeling today or how Molly felt last week then just take a break from your phone and just focus on some self-care um whatever that means to you I guess that self-care is different for everyone just having a break from like unplugging from other people's thoughts as well I think I deleted WhatsApp off my phone at the weekend and that was so lovely like I mean I feel like that's a big step yeah I mean I I had to put it back on because I need it for work as well and like family and video calls and all of that is it just everyone sending stupid videos and news yeah I just felt like my mum's I felt like with WhatsApp and Instagram and Twitter and I just felt like I was plugged in to so many different people's thoughts all at one mm. go. I didn't have any room in my in my head for my own thoughts. Yeah, that's so and true. I just that that whole thing of like feeling like all the tabs are open in your brain and yeah, you can't yeah, yeah. focus on any one thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So just going back to diet culture quickly, because I do have a question I want to ask you. Um what annoys you most about diet culture? Oh, <laughs> I know we've just jumped back and forth, but I really wanted to ask yeah. you this one. So I didn't want to I miss think, out. Okay, so I think the thing that really, the thing that really gets me is that it's it's the lies that it tells. So mm. it's the lies that it tells people that if they just do this one thing, just eat this one way, or do this mm. one thing, that they will feel better about themselves. Yeah, and actually that is in seven days that, yeah like like it's such a simple thing but I think it's also the lies that it tells where it where it pretends to be all about uh, like happiness and and looking after people and sometimes it will dress itself up as like charity yeah. you know like it's I'm, we're just here to help people actually yeah. the thing is about diet culture we need to remember that the diet industry is an industry it's a business it's a multi-billion pound global business and there are many people making a lot of money from Mm. dieting and diet the diet industry and I think if you know that and you're going into it and you're engaging with it that's fine but I think there are many people for example children who don't know that and they're being sold this lie that actually you know it's gonna gonna make everything better and I think just a step further than that what it then does is it perpetuates this culture of discrimination and children are being affected by this children are being bullied in the playground because they're being called you know fat or children are being Mm. you know left out of games at school or they're being Mm. you know weighed at school and they're made to feel that their body's somehow wrong when they're I just can't bear that I can't bear the whole weighing at school thing yeah no it's and and it's and it's so true because when you say about targeting the adults and teachers, et cetera, with workshops and um, because you're, you, they learn from us. So how does a child know to, to be like that towards, do you know what as well annoyed me? Sorry, I'm jumping here. I watched, <laughs> I watched Peppa Pig the other day and Peppa oh, Pig God. constantly calls her dad fat. Peppa Pig is full of fat phobia. But do you know what so many kids' cartoons are? And actually, if you think about like, like the Disney films that I used to love when I was little, we've got the Disney Plus channel that we got at the beginning of lockdown. I've been watching some of my old favourite films and, you know, the princesses all look the same. They all have one type of body yeah, and, and the heroes all look the same. And the villains, like think about Ursula, think about the Little Mermaid, right? Like oh, what, what Ursula, the baddie, what does she look like? She's, she's in a bigger body and she's yeah. made to be this like grotesque, villainous, greedy, yeah. evil person. Whereas the good, pure, saintly heroine is like this super thin, you know, like with a tiny, narrow waist. Absolutely. And I remember as a kid just even wanting their hands and feet because they were so perfect. Yeah. So like dainty. And and I think that's the thing about diet culture. It basically, no matter what, because body trends change. And when I was growing up in the 90s, it was all like the whole... Kate, Kate Moss like skinny oh, sheet okay thing. okay yeah and then and now it's like very kind of hourglass curvaceous like Kim Kardashian kind of so the body shape has changed in terms of like what's promoted as the yeah, ideal body but ultimately they are still promoting ideal body type types yeah. they are telling 
adults, which is then filtering down to children, that one type of body is better mm. than another. Mm. And so therefore, one type of person is better than another. Yeah. And if you have a body like that, you are somehow more worthy, you're more of an important citizen, more you're more responsible, you're more desirable, you're healthier, you know, mm. you're, you're all of those things. And actually, yeah. it is that is simply not true. And what that does is it just creates this culture of discrimination where people many people can't even go to the doctor with like a sore throat without being told to lose weight you know like weight stigma exists everywhere it's it's in the medical profession it's in schools it's everywhere and it's so insidious and normalized that we don't even Mm. recognize it and it just goes unchallenged yeah for sure so do you have you seen the um the series self-made on Netflix no I haven't oh please watch it it's, it's oh, I will. that's that's the underlying theme like she was told that she was too black or not beautiful enough that she couldn't be the face of this hair product that she had created and she becomes she, this is a true story um oh, she's the first she's the I first she's the first black African-American female millionaire Oh. And I've never heard of her before in my life until this series because she was probably just brushed underneath the carpet even after all she's achieved. We, we haven't we haven't learned about Isn't that her. It's awful that we don't even know who these people are. Like no, I couldn't I mean... believe it. And there's another one about the women in the space station and that, like they're like incredible with numbers and they're black women as well. And we I never knew about them. We've never been taught about them. We only know about the white astronauts. Like and then these these yeah. incredible women like in this tiny room. Doing I think all the my mother-in-law was telling me about that. Did they have? Did they? I have think it's to called use numbers, different toilets, didn't they? Yeah, they yeah, yeah. And she thing. really needed a wee, and yeah. Uh, oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. watch them. Right, watch them my list. As soon as I have some more time in my life. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, I know. And that's another <laughs> yeah, thing. Everyone's like, "What series are you watching?" It's like, <laughs> I have to clean the bathroom, sort my yeah. washing out, and then it's ten <laughs> o'clock at night. Yeah. I haven't got time to watch TV at the moment. Literally. And <laughs> um, so I I have a question because I've been very open about my weight loss journeys and I know mm. that some people hate that. But when do you think weight loss well no, do you think weight loss is always negative? And when do you think weight loss is a conversation that needs to be had? Because come on now, like the has to get to a point where actually it could be affecting someone's health and actually it is important to focus around focus on our health so I know it's it's I I agree with you that it's like go to the doctors with a sore throat I know that I hear that a lot and it's like oh you need to lose weight or whatever but I also went to the doctors and I had a high level of fat in my liver and and visceral fat around my organs and I was 25 years of age and it upset me so much and the doctor told me I needed to lose weight and it was actually what I needed to hear so when do you think you know weight loss is actually a conversation that needs to be had I think that it's I mean health right and weight are such complicated subjects and I think Mm -hmm. that when we start equating health with one particular type of body very we get into very dangerous territory and that's like your experience and that's totally valid but there are many people who are in bigger bodies who are actually very healthy they're running marathons they're athletes they're doing you know amazing amazing things um and I think that I it's down to the individual isn't it yeah I really subscribe to the health at every size movement and I'm very interested in the research that's coming out around health and and weight and I think that there's some really interesting research um, where they looked at they, they this involved like over a million different participants this study right and they looked at um, over a period of like like quite a, many years they looked at who um, they kind of classed people into four different body types so they you know like people in bigger bodies people in in bigger bodies than like what they would class as the average norm people in like yeah. average size bodies and people who hunt who were underweight. And they found that the people who had like the longest life expectancy were actually the people in the higher than normal average like weight. So I think so the middle actually, people. The, yeah. So it's like four, if you've got like four categories, like the second one down. So actually. Okay. That's me. Like, Woo! Yeah. So actually <laughs> like we, 
we but i mean i'm very like careful with that because that's again categorizing people i know i know i know another. but actually i think that as soon as we I focus th- on weight and as soon as we make health the primary concern um, that weight the primary concern of health mm. then i think we get into really dangerous waters because health is not a look health is a lifestyle yeah and actually it's about that's if so you true. really if you really care about um you know helping people have a healthy lifestyle you need to look at you know health, health promoting behaviors so you know movement for sure but it doesn't have to be one type of movement because mm. any movement's valid um sure like eat eat like a range of like nutrient dense foods like that's super important but i think we also need to be aware of the privilege that comes with health you know the socioeconomic factors to do with being able to afford mm-hmm. certain food being able to afford a gym membership like what a privilege is that and actually if but also I do think that eating too much costs more than eating a good amount of the of nutrient dense foods like there there's there can be a lot of over overindulgence which costs which costs money so it's so hard and I think it is really based on individuals weight and I I think think that's the hard thing I think ultimately as a society if we really care about promoting health we need to reduce inequality and Mm. we need to really kind of take the focus away from weight and think that if we can solve you know everyone's weight and get everyone down to a smaller weight then we're going to solve this health crisis because actually we know that the number of children pre-teen children who are being diagnosed with anorexia has doubled in the last decade and we know that we know that body image concerns are causing massive mental health problems more people die by suicide than you know any other type of thing at the moment yeah. and that's a huge issue and so actually when we continually discriminate and we create this like real binary kind of like black and white idea about what health is it's not useful so we need to look at reducing inequality we need to look at making everyone feel good about themselves because when you feel bad about your body you don't do things that feel good about your body and that make that you don't do things that make your body feel good and that's research driven. So actually, yeah. you know, shame is not a helpful no. thing. So I think, I think personally, we need to take the conversation away from weight and, and take the conversation, the health conversation, focus on how it makes people feel, focus on rather than the way it makes people look, you know, and changing their body yeah. and stuff, let's, how it makes people feel. Because if people feel good, they're more likely to engage in something and do more of it. Yeah, and and it, it's more likely to become a lifestyle, isn't it? Then because otherwise it just feels like a chore, and yeah, it just feels it, it feels restrictive. It feels just really depressing. Actually, I agree yeah, with you. Absolutely, it's, it, it's really hard to break habits that you've had for a very long time as well. So it takes time. So it requires a lot of patience. I think education is a mag- massive thing. I think that schools need to include a lot more education around nutrition as well. So that is fun and it's not diet focused, but that kids have the basic knowledge of like of of different food groups and things like that so that they know why maybe someone's saying, oh, come on, we're going to have some veg with our dinner tonight, blah, blah, blah. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. 
I think that like the the nutrition thing is really interesting with kids because there's a lot of research to show that if you give kids, if you make kids like kids are born naturally knowing what they want to eat and they know like when they're full and when they're hungry mm. and at some point as soon as you start creating rules and power structures around food with children then that can lead to unhealthy habits they that can lead to them trying to steal biscuits out of the biscuit tin yeah, they're not allowed biscuits or, or you know or thinking that vegetables are boring because that's the food they're being told to eat yeah so I think yeah. it's really interesting like there's, I, what I'm really interested in is like getting kids involved with growing food, you know, yes, me because too. that's going to get them involved with making food and, and being part of that process and playing yeah. with food. I can't um, wait to cook with Macy. I let Macy, yeah. Macy's always done um, baby led weaning and I think it's really good for her to get stuck in with her food. Oh, it's so messy though, isn't it? My oldest did baby led weaning. I it's messy, put... but I'm used to it now. <laughs> yeah, I used to put like, I used to cover my kitchen in with like this massive plastic sheet because she'd just throw the food. And oh, it was really? amazing to see, like she loved, it was lovely to see her explore food in a really kind of beautiful child-led way. Yeah. Um, and I totally agreed with it. But well, I, my husband used it. to call it, my husband called it um, baby-led bullshit. Because he yeah. was like, it's so messy. He was I like, I hate this baby-led bullshit. Okay, Macy's, <laughs> Macy's not as bad as that. Macy actually doesn't eat it. <laughs> but maybe that's why I haven't give up, given up on it. She, yeah. won't, she won't take it from the spoon. She, you know, unless, yeah. unless I'm but having che- Cheerios or crunching up cornflakes. That's good because like she's, that. playing, she's playing with it and also she's in control of it. And there's, yeah, there's this theory with like kids and food called the division of responsibility. And it's the idea that like if you you're in charge of the you're in charge of what they eat in terms of like presenting the food to them. But they're in charge of how much they eat and whether they choose to eat it. And as a mm. parent, it's not your job to like force your child to eat it. But it's your job to kind of provide it for them. And I think that's a really good way to get back to basics, to start teaching children about making choices that make their bodies feel good. Yeah. Um, and trust. It's definitely honestly worded food. so well, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's, all it's about a massive how... subject. And I'm not a nutritionist, but um, no, yeah, I've interviewed some interesting people and I'm, I've read a bit about it. And I'm really interested in, in that and how that feeds into this whole bigger kind of diet culture picture. I just feel like yeah, any rules around food scare me because they remind me of like bad days for myself. Like when I used yeah. to give myself rules and and I just don't, that didn't lead to healthy behaviour. No, for sure. See, with, with, with me, my approach with Macy, I know she's only one, but like I, I'm actually not restrictive with her at all. I, I know that I thought I was going to be the mum that doesn't give her refined sugar for as long as possible. But <laughs> I think... I think she had a. I think she had like half a magnum at the age of like six months. Yeah, <laughs> like it all went out the window. And now I give her little white, little chocolate buttons now and again. Like, but it's never like, oh, here's a treat. I just, yeah. I just kind it's, of go, oh, here you go, like kind of after a dinner. Yeah. But I don't really make a thing of it, and I don't really have right starter, main, pudding, dessert you know, or like it's kind of just like whatever goes because well, someone did say, to, yeah. Be Someone neutral about me, it. Yeah, mm. if my child wants to have their fruit before they have their pasta, then that's fine with me, or their yogurt before yeah. there, because I don't want to make a thing of it being like this, like a big dessert. Or and I was like, well, actually, imagine that's quite as, a, as an adult, if you're told, if someone says to me, "You can't eat this. You can only have a little bit of this, but you've got to eat all of this." Like, I'm not yeah. going to want to eat in that way. I don't no. want to eat. I want to eat how my body tells me that it wants yeah. to eat. And children are born with that innate feeling of knowing what they want to eat and all the research shows that as soon as you start really restricting and creating really rigid rules around food and telling children what they can and can't eat yeah that I don't like that. problematic behaviors like well, it's later obvious on. it's obvious that they're just going to pick up those habits and it's going to mess up with their head yeah but I also I also no... think I also think there needs to get be a point where you say to your kid Right, you've had half a packet of custard creams. That's not okay. <laughs> yeah, I know because what you're saying. There I are think children that... that will keep going, and and I personally, I want Macy to be an active child. I don't mm. really want Macy to become unhealthy because I've just been like free about it and just let her eat what she wants because her body is what she says her body needs. Because really, there does need to be a point where it's a bit like right. It's not about you're not living a balanced life here. This isn't I very much. 
if you're active, like, so children learn through role modeling. So if mm. you want her to lead, I mean, and that's different necessarily from like healthy. So if you want her to lead, lead a, a, a healthy life, you want her to be active, you want her to have a balanced diet, you want her to have good social, you know, in, you know, good social activity with friends, because that's a really important part of health, good sleep, all of those things. I have to set the scene. Like if we, and that's what I mean, like taking it away from weight, like is someone, right. is someone healthy? Look at like how much they're sleeping, how much they're hanging out mm. with their friends. You know, yeah. what food are they eating? is like one tiny portion Aspect. of that. And it's the same with kids. And also I think the other thing that scares me is the health thing. Cause it is, you know, like I think with health is that it's almost become this thing that it's this idea that you have to be healthy to be like a good citizen so you're not going to be a drain on the NHS or something and that's very dangerous language because it's super ableist like what about people who are born with health conditions you know like we, we it, it, you can't create a hierarchy of of like people you have to just kind of say right okay health health is not is not one thing health is a whole series of multi-layered you know things and if you if you talk about making people feel good mm. and making kids feel good and being active and wanting to get involved in sport and eating like you know food that makes them feel good like let's focus on how it makes them feel and yeah. role modeling that behavior so if you're like you're super active and you like sports like chances are she will get involved in that too because she sees her mom sure. who she totally looks up to doing those things and she'll probably and- want to do them with you yeah, I hope so. I hope so. We're quite a sporty family, so I think so. And with sport comes so, that social aspect as well, like, exactly. which is really important. So like, important I, I, I really want to join a netball team after this because I just love the whole idea of the social aspect of it whilst moving my body because I enjoy it and I love winning and I'm competitive and stuff. So Yeah. Yeah. There's so many there's so many benefits of exercise and movement and sport like team games are so great for kids because it can really build self-esteem and yeah, like all absolutely. of these positive things like yeah. it doesn't always have to be about weight you know that's what I mean like how, how it makes you feel how it makes you feel I always come back to that. Yeah, I love that. Mm-hmm. So how have you felt listening to all the news recently about the fact that the UK need to crack down on obesity, like the fact that 80% of people that have died of the coronavirus have been obese? And that's obviously putting people into a category that's obviously pinpointing people in bigger bodies. Um, but it's also based on statistics. I think it's yeah. problematic because it's much more complicated than it being a case of if you're in a bigger body, you're therefore, you know, in a high risk category for coronavirus. Actually, it's so it's way, it's way more multi-layered and way more complicated than that. I mean, if you take it away from from something, what if you said, OK, if you're an older person, you're more likely to get coronavirus. If you're a black person, you're more likely to get coronavirus. It's dis- You then get into realms of discrimination and starting Mm. to say like and blame and actually number one the research is very woolly and often any research around weight comes from researchers go into something and they you know a trend isn't necessarily causation so they might be noticing a trend but that doesn't mean that it's the it's like the cause of something um so and often you know any research around around anything the researchers will be looking for a specific outcome. And there are a lot of academics that would argue that research around weight um, and people in bigger bodies is often coming from a place of weight bias. So they're looking for that outcome, which can then affect how the research takes place. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I think that I'm very kind of, I'm very hesitant to kind of jump on, on that, that whole thing and think like, oh, okay. The other side of it is that there are many reasons, like I said before, weight is affected by so many different factors. So actually, mm. as soon as you start creating this idea that if that, that people are in control of their, their weight all the time and that it's one thing, no. then I think that then that gets into dangerous territory as well, because actually yeah. we know that so many different things affect weight. So, yeah, yeah I mean, worry, but the, the thing is, the mainstream media will often... Um, you know, it's a story, isn't it? It's a story, and and it's very difficult to convey all the different multi-layered layers of complexity around this subject in in one mm. newspaper headline. 
For sure. And I think, I also think as well, like if that is the case and if that's how they feel, the government feel, then then they really need to buck their ideas up then and start actually giving a shit about people and their lifestyles. And like you were talking about before about equality and like, do the, do, does everyone have access to a healthier lifestyle? Oh are God, you making exactly. it? Are yeah. you making it easy for people to live these healthy lifestyles that you're telling us all to live, yeah. so that we yeah. don't die of the coronavirus? Like, um, we, our schools, we, our schools, oh our school so, did. Our school dinners are still crap. Like I've been into schools and had a look around, and they're still not great. Like, so just do something about it then. And you I know? think it like a lot of so the people who are kind of coming from the angle that oh, but the obesity epidemic you know and and actually that word carries like real feelings of like negativity and shame for a lot of people so I'm really careful like hesitant very medicalized word but I'm going to say that's what the mainstream media use so I'm going to mm. use it the when they talk about the obesity epidemic like often it comes from this idea that actually oh if children are in bigger bodies it's automatically the fault of their parents it's yeah. because their parents you know it's the fault of their parents because their parents aren't feeding them the right food or they're not educated around mm. food or, you know, and actually it is ne it's not that simple because immediately no. it's creating this idea of shame and blame. And, and it, is, it is not that simple. Weight is affected by so many different things. And so what we've done, what we've had for like the last 10 to 15 years with this kind of health conversation around weight is it's created this idea that actually people are somehow responsible and it's all it's all their fault and it takes it takes all the responsibility away from the government and the power structures and it doesn't look at society as a whole and actually mm. we need if you really want to improve the health of the nation then you need to look at the power structures and society as a whole and like I said before you need to really look at equality and reduce inequality um, because Actually, you know, if you're living, you know, in, in an area that doesn't have access to like outdoor spaces or you, you're, you don't have the, the money to send your kids to like extracurricular sports or you don't, you know, you're having to get your food from a food bank. You know, you don't have the or you're not always in those situations where you can make those choices um, because, you know, you're, you're, you're like I said, health is a privilege. You know, it's, mm -hmm. I, and I think also like the, the, the way that they tried to tackle this issue so far well it obviously hasn't worked so if you're coming from that angle like oh you know too many people are in bigger bodies too many people are putting on weight we need to deal with this issue everyone needs to go on a diet and lose weight they've tried that for 10 years and it hasn't worked mm. so let's try something else let's try you know let's try making people feel good about themselves so they're making choices about their body that make them feel good regardless of what they look like let's look at reducing shame and weight stigma and discrimination and let's look at reducing inequality and let's see if that makes a difference and then come back mm. to me in 15 years time and if it hasn't worked then I'll eat my words yeah <laughs> for sure oh my gosh I feel like that is like the perfect conclusion to this podcast episode <laughs> like you go girl <laughs> I got a bit angry a bit ranty no, no, I apologize <laughs> no it's good get it out and and <laughs> I really it's, you've made me feel better about myself today um, oh thank you well you're I, doing an amazing job it. It's about how I feel. Do what makes me feel good. Eat what makes me feel good. Speak to people who make me feel good. Try and sleep because sleep makes me feel good, but it's hard yeah, when you're a mum. My mate is not a very good sleeper and I didn't have a good night's sleep. So I'm going to focus on all these things. I've got a Pilates class this, um, this evening, one-to-one. -one. So that's going to make me feel good. So yeah. yeah. It's do all like about a feeling little, good. little thing for yourself and like self-care doesn't have to just be about you know, face masks and bubble baths. It no. could be about an exercise class. It could be about turning your phone off. It could be yeah. about just like speaking to yourself with a kinder voice and just working on, even if you don't have to like talk to yourself, like you love yourself, like the whole pressure to love yourself can be too much. So just maybe just yeah, work on like, yeah. just like being a bit neutral, you know? For sure. So at the end of each podcast episode, I ask my guests, um, what are they most looking forward to do when lockdown is over? That's the first one. And then the yeah. second question is, what advice would you give to your younger self? Uh, so I, I can't wait to see my friends and family and hug them. You know, yeah, like I'm really, that. really missing that yeah. kind of tactile thing. My sister yeah. and I'm an auntie now and I, oh. I've spent like no time with my little nephew and just kind of being able to see 
you know, my extended yeah. family and my wider family and, and actually see them. And they're not feeling them. illegal. Yeah, totally. Um, so that is definitely like I'm my body is aching to like hug my mum. <laughs> Just Aww. like having that. And I can't I can't wait for that. And then sorry, what was the other question? The other question was what a big piece of advice would you give your younger self? Um, I would tell my younger self that I'm enough. I know it's such a cliche, but I have spent so many years of my life feeling like I wasn't enough and being riddled with self-doubt. And it's manifested in so many different ways, often to do with my body. And I would just go back and tell my younger self that I'm doing a brilliant job. My best is always good enough. And, you know, if it isn't, it doesn't matter because tomorrow's a new day. Oh, amazing. Thank you so much, Molly. I really appreciate having you on. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you so much. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe and maybe even share with a friend if you think they could benefit from listening to Growing Up Female. I'll be back next Wednesday with another amazing female. See you then. Thanks for listening to the podcast. We know times are very difficult right now. And if you want any more information about coronavirus, go to nhs.uk slash coronavirus. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.